Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Call podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Hello, and before we jump into this episode and today's interview on the Pastor's Call podcast, I want to let you know that I had such an amazing interview, and it was a little bit longer format than we have set and planned for for this podcast. So I want to let you know that this interview is actually going to be split up into two episodes. Uh, this week, we're going to be hearing my guest's personal testimony, and then it's going to be split up, and then next week's episode is going to be part two. So don't forget to join in next week to listen to it, where we're going to be hearing about uh my guest calling for his church and his new church plant and everything about that. So this week uh, is part one where we're going to hear the personal testimony and then next week is going to be part two. So let's get into it. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to thank the sponsor for the show. It is Blue Water Free Methodist Church, the church where I serve at. We are an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. So just so thankful for the support that they have behind what we're doing at the Pastor's Call podcast hoping to encourage those who are seeking or considering pastoral ministry or to also encourage those who are already in pastoral ministry just from learning from the experiences and stories of others. Well, I'm super happy. I have a a really good friend, someone I consider a really good friend of mine, uh, John Thompson. He is the lead pastor at Believer's Bible Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. And I was just so happy when I uh, asked him, and he was more than willing to come onto the show. So thank you so much for joining me today, John. Uh, thanks for having me, Joel. Well, I first met John uh, actually through uh, an uh, an organization called Men's Encounter. Uh, there, and we'll talk about the the organization a little bit later um, in the conversation. Uh, but through this Men's Weekend is when I first encountered and met John, and it was actually from. Uh, from Men's Encounter that uh, John saw and felt a need uh, that needed to be filled in the community and actually just recently founded Believer's Bible Church as a church plant in Sterling Heights. So I know we'll uh, we'll get a little uh, little bit into that a little bit later around some of those specifics, but I'd love to hear just a little bit about you because you're also bivocational uh, and um, hear a little bit about that and then just some of your background leading up to where you are now. Well, I, I'm actually no longer bivocational. I am a full-time pastor. I, I retired uh, from from my career in April, and um, I had an opportunity to get out early, and I took it. And I, I really felt the Lord leading that there was a need to be in the church full-time, and uh, I didn't feel like I was able to give as much as I needed to give bivocationally. So it was a sacrifice financially, but uh, spiritually, it was it was a far leap forward. So, well, that that's good to know. I actually didn't know you had retired. Uh, you were a sergeant in a local police department and have moved into full time ministry. So that's awesome to hear. Uh, the Lord's been providing for you to do that. So, tell me a little bit about uh, your background leading up uh, to the last couple years. Um, you know, you've had some other experiences in ministry, and would love to hear about your background and your training and and other experiences you've had in pastoral ministry. Well, I I was uh, born into a Catholic family, and my family was very devout Catholic, which meant they went to church on Christmas and Easter. Uh, we call them priesters. So, um, yeah, very devout. So. <laughs> Uh, we would attend Catholic church as a, as a, as a young family. And, uh, I had a family that lived across the street from us. Now this family, 
attended a Free Will Baptist church, uh, which was about two blocks from our house. And they have four boys, the same age as, as me and my siblings. And uh, we would walk to the church with them. Now they had roller skating activities, bowling and uh, pizza parties and things like that. So as a young boy, we would attend and my parents were more than happy to get rid of us. And it was through that little church right there on 10 Mile Road where I actually heard the message of salvation. I heard about Jesus. I heard about what he did for me on the cross growing up in a Catholic, in Catholicism. Now, not to put down Catholicism or speak ill of, of anyone else, but I saw Jesus up on the cross and I watched him there and we're just taught that Jesus is on the cross. And we went through catechism and confirmation and we would go to the priest. And I remember making my first confirmation and you go to the priest and you confess your sins to him. And well, I was just a young boy and I went to the priest to confess my sins and I didn't know what to tell him. So I lied. <laughs> so so I, I was in a position where I'm supposed to be confessing my sins and I'm sitting in the middle of it. So um, I, there was a disconnect that I had. And it wasn't until attending this, this Free Will Baptist Church that that connection was made. There was people there that invested in me and they you know, taught me that Christ wasn't on the cross, that the cross was now empty and the tomb was empty and that he rose again. Now, Catholicism teaches the same thing, but when you walk in, you see... Every depiction of him is him on the cross, and it's depressing, and it's it's sad, and it's somber. But uh, here was it was different. It, it was lively. It was exciting. They were excited to know Christ. They were excited to know Jesus, and it created an excitement in in you. And I didn't grasp it for a long time. And I remember my sister got saved, and they they were talking. You know, Janine got saved. She got saved. And I'm like, what? what does that mean? And I just kind of pretended that I understood and just nodded my head and went along with it. And it never really made sense. And all at once we're in a, we're in a Sunday night service. And uh, I was just a young boy. I was maybe 13 years old and they were preaching. And I knew two things that I was a sinner and that I was headed to hell and that I needed Jesus. So I went down to that old fashioned wooden altar and I knelt down and Pastor Larry Hendricks knelt down next to me. He wasn't our pastor at the time, but he was attending the church at the time. And Pastor Larry knelt down and he was from West Virginia, an old Southern preacher. And he talked really fast. And he, he, he knelt down and he said, why are you here, son? I was like, I don't want to go to hell. I need to get saved. And I had no idea what to do. And he's going through the scriptures and he's flipping through the pages real fast and going back and forth. And he's, he's saying, okay, we got to pray. You got us Jesus in your heart. You got it. And he's talking real fast. And I understood none of it. I just, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed to be saved. And he said, well, you can, do, do, do you want to pray? And I'm like, do I need to? Well, do you want to be saved? I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's, let's pray. And I had no idea how. And he said, you have to do it. So he told me what I needed to do. He told me what I needed to ask. And he said it in a way, he slowed his tone down and his cadence completely changed. He said it in a way that I could understand. And in that moment, 
looking back, I see that it wasn't really him speaking in that moment. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. In himself, he was speaking fast. He was excited. This boy wants to get saved, and he's flipping through the Bible and showing me. That was Pastor Larry. But in this moment, it slowed right down, and he began to speak. And all at once, I understood what it was that he was saying. I didn't grasp it at that time, but that was the Holy Spirit speaking directly to my heart and telling me that I needed to be saved, telling me that I needed to ask Christ as my Savior. And it was always, before that, it was God out there. And God uh, was was out in the universe, and we, we go and we, we go to church once a week or twice a year, and, and we talk to the priest, and now it became this personal relationship. This was something, and it was just this new beginning. It was a new realization. My whole world changed. And it was a start of something that I really didn't grasp at the moment mm-hmm. that was going to take me down a road that had I known, I don't know how I would react to it at that time. And, and you know, the ignorance is bliss. And But you look back and God draws these conclusions for you. And I started down this road and, and uh, started walking with Christ. And first thing I wanted to do is tell everybody about it. Now you go home to your Catholic family that don't understand salvation. They don't understand. They thought I joined a cult. And they, but they were caught in between a place where, you know, Catholicism, Catholics, they believe that they're the only one true church. And that through, uh, through the uh, Catholicism is the only way to get to God, to get to heaven. But they're also caught in a place where it gets rid of us. There's a lot of other things going on. And they're still talking about Jesus, so can it really be that bad? And he's young, and he'll outgrow it. So they allowed it to go on. Now, my grandma was a bit a bit concerned, a bit, uh, a bit confused by it, but she allowed it, and uh, God spoke to her later on uh, through a Billy Graham concert, or a Billy Graham crusade, and she accepted Christ. That's a different story in itself, but... It started a journey uh, that took me to learning about Christ, and I began to have this head knowledge about Christ. And as I got older, I began to hear his call in the ministry. First thing I wanted to do is I wanted to tell everybody about it because I all of a sudden I knew that I wasn't going to go to hell, that I was going to get saved, or that I was saved, and everybody else that didn't have what I had was going to hell. And all of a sudden, there's this urgency. Oh my gosh, it they're all going to hell. I got to tell them. So I went out and I told everybody I knew. And uh, I went and I brought all my friends. All my friends were coming to the church and um, they started bringing their friends. And it wasn't long. We're, we're in this little church right there in 10 Mile Road. And uh, the kids and the teenagers are outnumbering the, the adults. Hmm. And it was it was strange and weird, but they embraced it. And there was people that were there that just loved on me. Now, uh, amongst that time, my, my family split up and uh, my parents got divorced and uh, my dad was always, he was a raging alcoholic, very abusive, but you didn't think of those things when you're little. You don't, you just think that's how life is. And 
I thought that, you know, you just, you grow up, you find a factory to work in, you raise a little family and that's what you do. That's what life was. And I thought I'll go, I'll graduate high school, if that, and I'll find a factory to work in and provide for whatever little family I can get. And that's life. And there was people that were there that, that heard me saying these things and saw this in me. And they, for the first time in my life, there was people that were telling me that, you know, you can be more than that. There's more to life than just being that guy that shows up in a factory. There's more to life than just being that, that guy who goes and punches a clock every day. And they didn't tell me that there was anything wrong with that because most of them, that's what they were doing. But they showed me that I could be more than just that, that I could go to college. I could, I could do something beyond these little, this little uh, bubble that I was in. And they began to pour into me and to teach me the things that I needed to know that I wasn't learning at home. They made sure that when school started, I had new shoes and clean shirt to wear. And they made sure that every summer I could go to youth camp. They made sure that I was being taken care of and that there was, uh, you know, I, I'd get a good meal once or once twice a week. And uh, they, they just loved me. And not because I was this great kid, not because I was so fun to be around, because that's what God had called them to do, you know, and because they were Christians, they were following Christ. And it, it instilled something in me in the deepest level that there's a responsibility in each one of us to just love on one another. And, uh, and that evangelism isn't just, it's not just going out and telling people pray the prayer so that you're in the right place at the right time when the bell rings, Mm -hmm. it's living it out and walking it daily. And, what they began to teach me is that you need to read your Bible every day. You need to study the words. You need to uh, get into it. You need to learn these things. And I started getting that head knowledge. And they taught me to work. They taught me to work for the Lord. They taught me to evangelize. They taught me how to uh, share the word. They taught me how to teach the word. They taught me how to uh, hand out tracts. They taught me how to, uh, to, to pray. They taught me how to pray with others. And, you know, they sent me to Bible college. I went to Bible college and um, I was amongst these people. Uh, I went to the Free Will Baptist Bible College in Nashville, Tennessee, which is now Welch College. Uh, It's evolved. Uh, But I started my freshman year in the early 90s. And I remember taking a homiletics class and uh, in them teaching about how when you preach a message, you know, where you should stand in the pulpit and about the mechanics of public speaking. And, uh, you've got a 20 minute window. You got five to 10 minutes in the beginning, five to 10 minutes at the end. And unless you're dynamic, everything in the middle is just kind of got, kind of going to get forgotten. And they taught me things that I never really realized. You know, I grew up King James is the only version. Mm-hmm. And, when I took Greek and Hebrew class, I started realizing that there's actually other versions out there and that they're not bad. And 
all of a sudden I'm having this theological earthquake and that uh, the way that we always did it in our little church, it's done other ways in other places and it's not bad. It's just mm-hmm. different. And I started seeing things on a different level, but I didn't quite grasp it. And I, I still had this, this thought that I need to evangelize. I need to spread the gospel. I need to have this little family. I need to, uh, pastor a church. I need to uh, be in the ministry and give everybody the gospel. And uh, I got to work at these things. I got to study. I got to have it in my head. I got to, I got to do the work. You know, the old hymn, I want to be a worker for the Lord. You know, I, we sang it every Sunday. <laughs> and so I had the head and the hands and I started working and I was doing good work for God. I was uh, pastoring a church and I ended up at this little church and in Huntsville, Texas. And, uh, we started out with 25 people, you know, within a year, uh, we had this church that had been there for a hundred years and we, we didn't have enough seats and we were talking about building another building and people were getting it that, you know, we can build another building. We're not confined to these four walls. And, uh, then the enemy came in and my little wife and my little daughter, uh, were gone in a heartbeat. Uh, what I didn't know when I was out and I was working and telling everybody else about Jesus that I wasn't there being the pastor in my home. And my wife at the time decided that she just didn't want to be a part of this life. And she ran off with her high school sweetheart. And I found myself in a denomination where you couldn't be uh, a pastor if you've been divorced. I found myself in a church where I couldn't lead it anymore. I was no longer qualified. Living in the house that the church provided and the salary that the church provided and a bank account that was drained and left, left me with nothing. And I had to borrow money to get from Texas back to Michigan. I came back with my tail between my legs with not a dime to my name in debt from the money that I borrowed with only a car that became my home for quite a while. And wondering, God, why, why me? Why, why am I, why, why did this happen to me? Well, long story short, uh, I got into law enforcement because it was the only thing that I was good at. And I can work for God there. I can tell people about Christ there. And I got into law enforcement and I was good. I was uh, making my way through the ranks. And um, I was just a couple years away from becoming chief. I was a sergeant in my department, uh, 20 years on the job and uh, in line to be chief. There was a lieutenant spot that was going to be coming open and I was going to be able to go into that spot and that spot uh, was a stepping stone to the chief spot. And just a few years before that, I attended this men's encounter weekend and God rocked my world. And I realized on that weekend that there was things in me that 
God just wasn't pleased with. I had the knowledge. I was a worker. But I was missing the third branch of that trinity, which was the heart. The heart wasn't where it needed to be. And there was things in me that God was seeing that he wasn't pleased of. Now, I was still working in a church. Me and my wife had ran a junior church ministry in our church for years and years. And we were um, attending service three times a week. We were bringing our friends. I, I, I led Bible studies. It's not that I wasn't working. It's not that I wasn't reading my Bible. It's not that I wasn't in the Word. But there was a disconnect that I wasn't drawing that conclusion of. Hmm. And I had this buddy who went to this men's encounter weekend and he kept saying to me, listen, man, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go. And I was, I was good. I didn't need to go. What, what do I need to go for? And I was his accountability partner. And we had went with covenant eyes and everything that he did on the internet, I could see and, and vice versa. We kept each other accountable. And he goes to this weekend and comes back and he's like confessing all this stuff. I've been looking at porn for months. I've been, and I'm like, how'd you do that? And he's like, man, being an accountability partner, all you did was make, all it did was make me a liar. Hmm. I just found other ways to get around it. And I told you I was okay. I was like, well, I'm not doing any of that. But he goes and he keeps on me. So months and months go by and finally says, listen, God wants you to be at this. I'm like, well, God needs to tell me. <laughs> and God started working with me and I'm like, well, okay, God, if you want me there, I'll go. And I keep waiting all weekend. We go through the, the motions. We sing the songs and the people give up and they, they give their testimonies. And I hear what went on in their life. And I'm like, I'm not this guy who cheated on his wife. I'm not this guy who's looking at porn. I'm not this guy. And it's not really applying to me. But I wanted that moment. I wanted that emotional experience that he had. I wanted to uh, experience that. I wanted to hear what God was saying. And I just wasn't hearing it. And um, I started praying and, and thinking, well, God, you know, I want that moment. Cause I remember going to youth camp. You have that moment at youth camp and where everyone gets up and they go down to the altar, everybody prays and mm -hmm. you sing the songs and all of a sudden you have this big emotional experience and you go home and it lasts for about two weeks and then you just go back to normal. But I wanted that moment. I'm like, God, where's my moment? Where's my moment, Lord? And it was a time of prayer at that weekend. I was asking God, you know, what, how come I, I've seen everybody else having that moment all around me? They're having that moment. And where's my moment? And in that moment, God spoke to me. That wasn't an audible voice, but you ever have those moment of clarity, that aha moment. And looking back, it was that same spirit. The Holy Spirit was just using, speaking to me the same way he used Pastor Larry all those years ago when I gave my heart. And the Holy Spirit just gave me that clarity. He said, look at your life. Look at what I've given you. Mm. You came back to Michigan with your tail between your legs, living in your car. You couldn't do it on your own. You tried, you worked, you couldn't do it. But look what I've given you. You lost your family. You lost your child. I've given you a 
new wife who loves you and appreciates you and is there for you, stands beside you. You had no home. I've given you six houses. You had no finances. I've given you, I've provided everything for you. I've given you a job that provides for you. I've given you a wife who has a, a good job where you're provided for. You have kids, they're healthy, they're smart. Your daughters that you lost is coming back to live with you and to be with you. And what more, what mm. more can I give you? What are you asking me for that I haven't already done? And in that moment, I realized that it wasn't about what God was going to do for me. It was about what I was withholding from him. And I started realizing in my heart the areas that he was just not pleased with. I was 260 pounds. My health was beginning to waver from it. I worked. I was a workaholic. I was laboring in everything and neglecting everything my children, my wife, my household, my church, my faith, my reading. I had drifted so far from him in my heart. I wasn't praying. Uh, I wasn't cheating on my wife. I wasn't looking at porn. But sure enough, I'm walking through the mall and something attractive walked by. I, I'd sure remember that later. It'd be in my head. Oh, I wasn't looking at it on my phone. I wasn't looking at it on the internet, but it was in my mind. It was in my heart. There was things in me that he wasn't pleased with. And all of a sudden, they just came to the surface. And I said, God, oh God, oh God, forgive me. And in that moment, for the first time, I truly surrendered, not because... If I didn't, I would die and go to hell. Not because it was something that I had to do, that we all needed to do, but because I truly loved him. Mm. And I truly, for the first time, realized how much he really loved me. I, I knew it. I knew it, but I didn't know it. I knew it in my head, but it never sunk into my heart. And I began to, to just change things about myself. My desires changed. All my desires changed. And he looked at me in that moment. He said, now this, this is something I can use. And he began to deal with me about ministry. And I thought, well, I could get on staff somewhere. Or I can just work in my church and uh, run a program. I can... I can do a Bible study at my house. And I started a Bible study at my house. And there was people that were coming and I was teaching. We went through Peter. We went through uh, uh, First and Second Peter, First and Second Thessalonians. I did an expository verse by verse. We we're going down. And every week when I was, I'd have this little group, I would start uh, just ministering right to their hearts and using the head knowledge to minister to their heart. And... God started speaking to me saying, this is just what I want you to do. This is what I've always wanted you to do. And my desire became just to please him in every way. 
my desire was no longer to sit down with a full bag of Doritos, family size, and make it to the bottom. It wasn't to stop three times my shift at 7-Eleven and drink big gulps. It was, wasn't to uh, have snacks all the time in the car. I, I no longer had the desire. I could eat a handful of Doritos and be satisfied with that because my, my satisfaction wasn't in pleasing my flesh anymore. My satisfaction was in seeing him. I didn't change anything about myself. And now all of a sudden, I went from 260 pounds I'm 183 pounds right now, and everybody comes up to me and says to me, how'd you do it? And they're expecting a program, and I tell them, I just, God changed my desires, and they look at me like I'm nuts. But it was a heart issue. It wasn't a health issue. It wasn't how hard I could work, because I could work. It was what was in my heart. Hmm. And God started dealing with me about this church and ministering to people's hearts, and it's been the most difficult, most rewarding thing I've ever mm. done. And God led me to this little church, and this is where I'm at right now. Mm. I That's probably about the second or third time I've heard you express that your your story, your journey, with different facets each time, but um, it, it always hits. Um, considering that, I hear a lot of parallels even um you know for me coming from you know the free methodist denomination you know i'm learning a lot about john wesley you know my preparation as i'm going towards ordination and he had that my heart was warmed moment where it was more because he had been a pastor he had been a missionary went to georgia you know you probably know a little bit about his life mm-hmm. but then it was different when his heart was warmed and and that's when that movement was launched um and and that's something having been growing, grown up in the church and, you know, been around ministry my whole life as well. I can see that as a stumbling block for so many pastors where, you know, not to say that the fire wasn't there, but the, the reality of, of the work of Christ in our life can, can cool down. Um, and it loses, loses its, its, daily impactfulness that it needs to have and and that's what i i'm hearing with you as well because we allow our our own hearts to close off things from the holy spirit as he's working and speaking and doing things and then we just get lethargic right in our faith and it impacts people who are in the ministry or or someone like you where god just pulled you out of it because maybe maybe back in the mid late 90s that was um you know wasn't for for him exclusively, you know, maybe there was a bit of, of John there. And, and so I'd love to hear, um, I, I quickly want to mention about encounter because it's an experience I've gone through and we've served together. Um, encounter ministries changed both of our lives. Yes. Um, dramatically, I, dramatically. I, I've had major worldview shifts and igniting in, in my personal faith and walk with Jesus because of encounter, because it pulled me out of just being just cold uh and and there's been such deep healing in relationships because uh we've encountered christ and and when an encounter with christ changes everything we see that on the road to emmaus in the new testament we see that with paul and it's the same for all of us um whether we said a prayer when we were little or or were later in our lives and so encounter ministries they have 
these men's encounters, they have women's encounters. I know they've been starting different uh, different versions of it, but their their website is encounterministry.life, and, and there you can go and find it about what they do, find in your local area. I know they do them here in Michigan and, and Alabama and Nevada and several other states. I know they're getting started, and really the focus is not denominationally focused. It doesn't matter what your background is, even if you don't believe um, but they bring people in so that they can encounter Christ. And um, I know for both of us, I know for numerous other people, even your brother-in-law, um, who's a good friend of mine as well, his life has just been so radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of what Christ has done for all of us. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, this concludes part one of my interview with John Thompson, and next week we are going to pick up with part two of the interview, and in that part we're going to really get into John talking about what he felt God's call was for his ministry and the planting of Believer's Bible Church. So I want to thank you so much for joining this week's episode of the Pastor's Call podcast and looking forward to next week for you to join us and we'll hear part two in the conclusion of my interview with John Thompson. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week and God bless.